0: John 1, 1 to 18, beautiful. This version will be the NIV for those wondering. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light is every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the father's side, has made him known.
1: Uh, let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you so much for your word, and we pray now that by your Spirit that you would uh, help us to uh, come to a deeper and richer understanding of Christ, that uh, we would be those who live uh, trusting in Him and uh, obeying Him. And We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ. The everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Uh, what uh, Christmas carol is that, folks? That's Hark the Herald, Hark the Herald, angels sing. And uh, I remember once uh, hearing those words uh, in the Port Central car park as they were being broadcast uh, through the speaker system. Um, Profound words uh, declaring the deity, the humanity and the lordship of Jesus. And it's happening in shopping centres. It's happening on television. It's happening in... Uh, public parks with crowds of people all around Australia at this time of year. But who's listening? Who's listening? As we rush to buy food for presents and presents for Christmas, or as we immerse ourselves in the fantasy and the traditions of Christmas, uh, the deep truths about Jesus can be so easily drowned out. Just the background noise of Christmas, the ambience of of the sentimentality of the Australian December. Which is a bit frustrating, isn't it, when you think about it? (laughs) That um, such great words are being sung and so badly ignored. But it uh, can create some uh, opportunities for us to help people, to help people to think more deeply about. Uh, What they sing, uh, such as the opportunity that we had last Saturday night at uh, Carol's on the Lawn. Wasn't that fabulous um, to have so many people there uh, hearing not only singing about Jesus but hearing the message about Jesus? Now, of course, any time is a great time to be thinking and talking about the coming of Jesus into the world. You don't have to wait until Christmas, but it is Christmas, and so today that is actually what we're going to be doing. We're going to be focusing on the coming of Jesus into the world uh, because over the next uh, couple of months or so, we're going to be diving into the early part of John's Gospel, having just finished last week our series on 1 Corinthians. And it fits well because uh, uh, some of our most loved carols uh, draw their, um, their content Uh, from the truths that uh, are found in this first half of John chapter 1, uh, which you might want to have open uh, in your Bibles in front of you. Uh, John chapter 1 verses 1 to 18 is often referred to as the prologue to uh, John's Gospel. I'm not so much into literary terms, I uh, prefer to think of them as being uh, like a beautiful entrance lobby to a building. Uh, You know, the uh, that kind of building where you walk into the entrance and you feel welcomed and you get this uh, this sense of what the rest of the building uh, is going to be like. Although in many hotel lobbies I've walked into, it's disappointing when you see the rest of the building. <laughs> but it's not like that here. And it is like that here. This is an entrance lobby uh, into uh, John's Gospel, for in this passage, in this Opening passage The major themes of John's Gospel that we'll be exploring over coming weeks are introduced. Themes such as life and light, um, darkness and truth, uh, acceptance and rejection, uh, glory and grace, as they are revealed in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus. It's what John's Gospel is about uh, in a nutshell. But John does not begin his gospel uh, with the manger in Bethlehem. Uh, Rather, in verses 1 through to 3, John reaches back uh, into the time before history. Uh, Indeed, uh, John reaches back right into the time before the creation of all things. Uh, You see in verse 1, where he says, In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, it doesn't say Jesus, does he? No, it's, it's actually a bit, he's actually a bit ambiguous, um, because John here speaks about the Word. Why does he do that? Why doesn't he just spell it out plainly? Why doesn't he just speak to us clearly? Um, sometimes, you know, they say it's better to... Um, to hook your audience and to draw them in slowly. You know what I mean? I try doing that with you guys sometimes. Just draw you in, just lure you in so that you... Uh, many of the people whom John wrote to uh, uh, would have come from a Greek background, uh, not all. Uh, some of the Greek philosophers, not all of the Greek philosophers, but some of the Greek philosophers believed in a... Um, a a cosmic force, uh, which they called the Logos, uh, which in English translates to the Word. They believe that uh, everything which exists uh, came from the Word, uh, that it's a force which permeates everything and which determines all things. We, of course, as 21st century people would never believe in such nonsense, would we? Um, I think it's about 41% of Australians say that they believe the astrology that they read in the newspapers, um, count on the stars to control their lives and so on. The Greeks, these people believe that everything which exists come from the word. Not every Greek believe this, but it is possible, uh, just possible, it's speculative, that John is using this idea of the logos to draw in his Greek readers. But preeminently uh, the Jews also believed in something called the word. Uh, not like the Greeks so for them the word was far more personal. For the word referred to the voice of God. Now did you notice that John John's Gospel begins with the first three words of another book in the Bible. Did you notice that? Uh, what, what's the other book in the Bible that begins with the same first three words as John's Gospel? Genesis, Genesis in the beginning. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created. How did God create? Well, we don't know the science behind it, do we? <laughs> We don't need to, but God in Genesis created because he spoke a word. Uh, In Genesis chapter 1, every new point of creation begins with the words, And God said, let there be. As he spoke into existence, the the light and the darkness, the sea and the sky, the land, the vegetation, the sun, the moon, the stars, and all living creatures, uh, and finally man, that God by the power of his word brought into existence all things out of nothing creation ex nihilo as they say uh, although you can imagine someone from a greek background from a greek background reading john's gospel for the very first time and thinking uh, after having looked at that, that thinking well john is obviously talking about the force which controls the world But they wouldn't think that for long. For what does John say about the word? Well, let's unpack that. Uh, Firstly, the word was present in the beginning, uh, which must mean uh, before creation. That is that the word was pre-existent, eternally pre-existent. Secondly, he says that the word was with God meaning that the word was present with god alongside god and yet he then also claims that the word was god and so we wonder how can that be uh, how can the word be be distinct from god uh, in so much that the word is is with god how can he be uh, how can the word be distinct from god but also be god now Uh, Friends, John does not explain that in these verses. But remember that this is just the entrance lobby uh, which leads us into the rest of the Gospel. Um, Part of the unfolding revelation of the nature of God is that God is one God and three persons, uh, what we call the doctrine of the Trinity. But to his Greek readers, John is saying... Uh, Well, you were right in uh, your view that the universe has an origin, um, but it is not an impersonal force. The Word is very personal because the Word is actually God. Uh, In fact, John doesn't refer to the Word as being an it, does he? Um, He uses the personal pronoun, uh, in, instead of, he doesn't refer to the word as an it, but rather as as him or as a he. Uh, have a look in verse 3, uh, where he says, "...through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made." Now, that, that sounds a little bit like John is kind of repeating himself there, doesn't it? You know, that uh, he, he's he's making this positive statement to say that through him all things were made... And in a negative statement, saying without him nothing was made that has been made, which is saying the same thing, but what John is doing here is he's being watertight. All things were made through him, and that in all of the universe, uh, there is nothing which was made without him. That is that there is no other creator. There is no other God, and there is certainly no impersonal, force. You get the picture, don't you? Everything, without exception, owes its existence to the word. Verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now, notice here that John does not say that that life was created by the word. No, it's more than that. He actually says that life exists in the word, that in him was life. And here again, it's, uh, it's, it's the shades of Genesis chapter 1 here, isn't, isn't it? Uh, for it was God who only had to speak a word for life uh, in all of its um, beauty, in all of its magnificence, in all of its abundance. Uh, God only had to speak a word for life to fill the earth. Uh, In uh, Psalm 36, God is described as being the fountain of life in whose light we see light. Those two concepts of life and light. That's a good picture of of a fountain of life, isn't it? That the the, the fountain shoots up the water, it sprays everywhere. God is the fountain of life and in his light, we see light. But here in John 1, uh, John introduces what seems to be a a conflict um, between light and darkness, Uh, which seems strange, doesn't it? Because in Genesis chapter 1, both are good. Light equals daytime, darkness equals nighttime, Both are good. We need both for the warming and the cooling of the planet and so we can sleep at night and so on. Both are good in Genesis 1. But here in uh, John chapter 1 uh, it's alluding to spiritual darkness. You see, darkness is not just the absence of photons. Um, It's an attitude towards God. Uh, whereby we, uh, his uh, creation, actually reject the life and the light that he brings. Uh, in John's Gospel, as we'll see uh, in a couple of weeks' time, darkness represents evil. Um, in John chapter 3, uh, we're told that the, uh, the light shines in the darkness, but that uh, the people love darkness because Uh, Their deeds are evil. What light does is light exposes our sin. And so we hate the light. We run from the light. And so now, John fast-forwards from the creation in the past to a light uh, in the present. And that is his present in the first century. Um, Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a light to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. It's an interesting thing in John's Gospel that when he refers to John the Baptist, he never uses the word Baptist, um, as other um, Gospel writers do. And in John, John the Baptist is simply John. I think perhaps that's because uh, to John the Apostle, there's only one John that he wants to write about. He doesn't want to write about himself. He doesn't need to distinguish the other John. Uh, he doesn't actually refer to himself um, explicitly by name uh, throughout his Gospel. Uh, more than that, uh, this John uh, was sent from God uh, to testify concerning the light Uh, And he points out that he himself was not the light. There there is a group of people um, today, a religion, uh, that um, even uh, there are followers of here in Australia, who actually worship John the Baptist. Um, They are called Mandaeans. You might have heard of them, but uh, Mandaeans, uh, they don't worship. For them, John the Baptist is the light. But he was not the light. His purpose was to prepare people by telling them about the light. For in verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, says John in verse 10, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Imagine that. Imagine that the creator of the universe, imagine that the one who existed for all of eternity, imagine the one who uh, created the sun, the moon, the stars, imagine the one who put the planets in place and the one who breathes life into us, who gives us every breath of life. Imagine that, that if that one, came to you and you didn't recognize him. So you dismissed him, ignored him, rejected him, turned away from him. It's unthinkable, isn't it? It's unthinkable. That's what I'd call a mistake, wouldn't you? What a big mistake. Whereas in verse 11, those who accept Him, those who believe in Him, receive a new life. Life being breathed into them again. It's like the creation happening all over again. See, John starts with this great cosmic theme of the creation of the universe and, and the light and the life because he wants us to know about the recreation the new life, the one that comes in the word. One of the great themes in John's Gospel is that of being born again. It's like, remember Nicodemus, when he came to Jesus in the night time and Jesus uh, told Nicodemus that no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. We all need a fresh start, don't we? We all know that we've not loved and served and honoured God as we should. We all know that our lives are affected by that. We know that we need this fresh start. We need to have our sins washed away, to be forgiven by God, our Creator. Well, the great news in verse 14 is that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, says John, the the glory of the one and only who comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now the word translated as made his dwelling, it literally means pitched his tent, pitched his tent, Uh, which in the book of Exodus was the symbol of God's presence uh, with Israel in the wilderness that God pitched his tent. And the tent, there was a name given to the tent, the tent was called the, the tabernacle. The tabernacle. And, and the glory of God uh, was seen in the, in the form of fire and cloud uh, that uh, led Israel through the wilderness and uh, the glory of God actually filled the tabernacle, filled the tent. Now, John was an apostle. Um, which means that he knew Jesus well. In uh, his first letter, in 1 John chapter 1, he says, "...that which we have seen with our own eyes, that which we have touched, this we proclaim uh, concerning the word of life." John had seen the glory of Jesus, that by his word that Jesus had authority to control nature, the wind and the waves, healing the sick, raising the dead, driving out demons, feeding the thousands. For the word of Genesis 1 had become flesh. God incarnate. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come, let us adore him. But his glory... He's not just seen in his miraculous works, his control over, over nature, his control over the physical universe and his control over spiritual realities. His glory is seen in his grace and in his truth, in his character and in his actions. Um, when Jesus was, uh, knew that he was about to be arrested, Uh, In John chapter 17, he he prayed to his Father. I want to read to you just some of what Jesus prayed. Listen to this from John chapter 17. Jesus prayed to God the Father saying, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. (laughs) You see that? For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was arrested, executed, and rose again for us in payment for our spiritual darkness for our forgiveness that we might enjoy the second birth the life and the light that he brings now see how John puts this in verse 16 where he says from the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. How incredibly gracious. How totally undeserved that the creator of the entire universe should humble himself, should become a man, should be born in a cowshed, and live and suffer and die for us and for our salvation. Uh, you know, some people ask, how can I know God? And, and people look at the uh, the world around us and they look at the sun, the, the, at the sky, the heavens and the stars and the planets and, and they look at the beauty of the world in all of its uh, uh, intricacy and structure and design and and are in awe of that, and there would be people who say, well, this really does look like there is a God, that there is a designer, that there is a creator behind of all of this, but how can I know who he is? How can I know who created all of this? And the answer to that is, well, look to Jesus, for he is God in the flesh, and not only when you look to Jesus do you see the one who is the creator, you see the character of the one who has done all of this. His grace and his truth. Uh, There's another verse in the carol, O come all ye faithful, which is the one I quoted a few moments ago. And it goes this, like this it says, God from God, light from light, he who abhors not the virgin's womb, very God, begotten not created, O come, let us adore him. Uh, Powerful words which, when sung, should really create a reaction, a reaction one way or the other. For to say that Jesus the man is actually God in the flesh, that is nothing like saying that Santa Claus lives on the North Pole. It's nothing like that. It's a bold statement, a bold statement of ultimate reality which should challenge the very way that we live our lives. Um, and yet, there's so much apathy, isn't it? But apathy is, is just not a valid response. You know the apathy that I'm talking about, you know? We, you know nice tune, familiar words, we just love this time of year, and yes, Christmas is about Jesus. And Friends, if the eternal word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us, then the right response is to receive him, to believe in Him, to be forgiven by Him. Have you done that yet? Have you turned your life over to trusting the Lord Jesus and living for Him? You know, the, the power, one of the powerful messages of Christmas is that the creator of the entire universe is not just some meaningless impersonal force but he's the personal God the one who knows you the one who loves you the one who became like you in order to die for you and rise again risen with healing in his wings as the carol puts it let's pray Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for your reveal revelation of yourself in the person and the work of Jesus. And Father, we are just in awe at the incredible grace upon grace that's been bestowed upon us. We pray for each one of us that we would uh, understand with a, a greater degree of um, of uh, faith and knowledge and uh, Uh, who Jesus is and why he came and what he's done for us, that we would be people who live our lives trusting in him and loving and serving him. And this we pray in his name. Amen.